I bow to Supreme Almighty God. I bow to saints and sages of all the religions. I bow to the lineage of Kriya Yoga Masters. Bow to Gurudev, Paramahamsa Hariharanandaji. And I bow to Guruji, Paramahamsa Pragyanandaji. I bow to the living power of God abiding within us all. Om Sahana Vavatu Sahana Bunaku Sahaviryam Karava Vahai Tejasvinavadi Tamastu Ma vidvisavahai Om Shantihi 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 Okay, today's talk is Kriya Yoga in the light of Karma Yoga, Gnana Yoga and Bhakti Yoga. Basically, there are three types of lives or three categories of lives. One is plants and trees, another one is animals and birds, third one is human being. And the human being is the most um, advanced uh, categories of life. But all these three categories of life have eight things in common. They have body, they have mind, they have intellect, they need food to eat, uh, they need to sleep, they have fear, and they, uh, they have desire for uh, sexual life, and they have desire to love and to be loved. So these are the eight things which are common among all of them. But God has created man in his own image. He has given him the supreme skill to think and to create, which no other lower form of life has. And using this skill or using this intellect, human being has made many technological advances and uh, he has uh, created all the comforts for his life. But with all these comforts, uh, he can enjoy the external world, but that happiness is not uh, forever. That happiness is only temporary. So to get a permanent happiness, he has to go within and to try to find that uh, the highest kind of happiness. But human being has not done that yet, except few of them, but most of the people in this world have not attained that state of permanent happiness, everlasting joy and happiness. So we have used the intellect to for material comfort, but there is another dimension 
of intelligence, because God is supreme intelligence, another dimension to the supreme intelligence, which is, which is consciousness. So we have not used consciousness to find that highest happiness. Because uh, when we enjoy the material objects, we enjoy them only through mind. And God is not in the mind. God is beyond mind. Or in other words, the highest happiness you can gain only when you go beyond mind or beyond thoughts. Because the very nature of the mind is to be restless. Very nature of the mind is not to be satisfied with anything. So when we enjoy with the mind all these worldly objects, we are not happy forever. But God is beyond mind. So when we uh, attain that highest state or when we go beyond our mind and find God, we attain the highest happiness forever, for eternity. When we reach that state, we will know the mystery of the entire universe. There's nothing that we would not know. Everything will be known to us and we will feel that highest happiness. So, but as Swami Vivekananda said, that men looking for God or looking for the highest happiness went all around the world. He went to temples, he went to synagogue, he went to uh, churches to find God. But after completing the full circle, he came back to where he started from. So God is not outside, he is within. Now, um, there are many ways or many techniques, many paths to reach that highest state of happiness. Three basic yogas are called Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, and Bhakti Yoga. Or Karma Yoga is path of action. So people, when they, people, when they practice Karma Yoga alone, no other type of yoga, just Karma Yoga, they dedicate all their activities, all their work, duties to family, to job, to their life and others' life. They dedicate everything to God, expecting nothing in return, without any expectations. So that is basically the Karma Yoga. Then comes Gnana Yoga. Gnana Yoga, um, Karma Yoga is called um, path of action. Gnana Yoga is path of knowledge. And Gnana Yoga is the path of intellectual discrimination. We try to determine whatever is changing is not me. So uh, my mind is changing, my body is changes. So I'm not mind, I'm not body. So by negation, we try to find out who we really are. And we try to contemplate where I came from. When I die, I'm not going to live forever. When I die, where will I go? Why am I attached to so many things? So through this contemplation, we try to, people try to 
try people following this Gnana Yoga try to find God. And the third one is path of love and devotion. Those people following this Bhakti Yoga, path of love and devotion, they love God. They chanting God's name or singing God's name or uh, remaining in the thought of God all the time, they try to develop love for God. And through this love for God, they find highest happiness. Now, uh, let us understand these three types of yoga through Kriya Yoga. Kriya Yoga in the, uh, so to understand Kriya Yoga, let me first uh, give you one verse from Yoga Sutra Patanjali, chapter number two, verse number one. It says, Tapaha Swadhyaya Iswara Pranidhanani Kriya Yoga. He says, Kriya Yoga is the integration of Tapaha. Tapaha means Karma Yoga. Tapaha Swadhyaya Gnana Yoga and Iswara Pranidhanani is the path of love and devotion. So he says, Kriya Yoga is the integration of all these three yogas. Now, so when we practice Kriya Yoga, we do our regular meditation. At the same time, we try to do Tapaha. That means we perform our duties towards our family, towards our job, towards uh, other people. We perform this duty and uh, with the best way we can and dedicate the uh, result of our action to God without expecting anything in return. But Tapa also means discipline. We try to discipline ourselves to meditate every day because the spiritual battery should be charged every day. Otherwise, when we go out in the external world, it is drained when we come in contact with people with so many different energy levels. So we have to recharge the battery. And for that, we need to discipline ourselves. Another meaning of tapa is uh, born to raise the temperature. So that means tapa is the process through which we burn all our impurities make our mind pure, filled with love and knowledge. Tapa also means generating the internal fire, internal temperature, generating the energy. So through this, <clears throat> we burn our ego and we burn uh, the seeds of our karma. Now, one thing we have to remember that Many, many people, almost everybody in this world suffer a lot from many, many, uh, many, many ways they suffer. And the main reason for the suffering is nothing but their own karma that they have created in so many past lives. Because of their desires for worldly things, because of the impurities, because of the negative things they have done in their previous lives, they create negative karma. And because of that, they, suffer in this life. So when we do tapaha, that is when we uh, do the Kriya Yoga techniques, particularly Kriya Pranayama, it raises the temperature, it raises the internal heat in the body and the energy that starts flowing in the mind will burn all our past karma. And as the past karma is being burned, as we go 
through the process of Kriya Yoga meditation as you progress on this path of Kriya Yoga, uh, this uh, seeds of karma are burned. And when that happens, we feel more peace and happiness in our life as we progress on spiritual path. Paramahansa Yogananji said that one cycle of Kriya Yoga, if properly done, it burns one year of our negative karma. So Kriya Yoga becomes very powerful and this particularly this Kriya Pranam is a very powerful technique to burn our past karma. When the past karmas are burned, we start finding peace and happiness because we suffer because of our karma only. So in Kriya Yoga, uh, there are seven planes of existence and our seven chakras are related to these seven planes of existence. And uh, uh, the, the sixth plane of existence is the soul center, which is called Tapa. Uh, the, uh, plane of existence is Tapa and then uh, Satya Loka. So Tapa Loka and Satya Loka is the fountain. So by introverting our restless mind, we focus into this Tapa Loka or Satya Loka and try to do inner search to find and, and try to become united with God. So that process is also called Tapa. Then second one is Swadhyaya. Swadhyaya means uh, scriptural studies, uh, Japa, chanting, and self-inquiry. So people read spiritual books, but reading spiritual book is not real spiritual, uh, real Swadhyaya. Real Swadhyaya is, is to do the self-inquiry. So we again focus in the Tapa Loka or Satya Loka and do the Swadhyaya. Who am I? Where I came from? Why am I attached to so many things? How can I become free from attachment? That kind of self-inquiry is the real Swadhyaya. So uh, scripture studies only gives um, theoretical understanding. But when we do self-inquiry within uh, in this Tapa Loka or Satya Loka, Satya Loka, we, <clears throat> we can progress spiritually and become free from attachments. The third one is Iswara Pranidhanani. Iswara Pranidhanani means, um, it means uh, love, divine love and devotion towards God. So now uh, we all have love, but our love is not unconditional love. It is a conditional love. We expect something in return. So now we have to, as we want to, if we want to progress spiritually, we have to transform our conditional love into unconditional love. Because our love goes, when it goes downwards towards the bottom three chakras, um, money, sex, and food center, it creates vasana, it creates passion. And uh, uh, and that happiness we get is temporary happiness. It is unripe happiness. But in order to uh, really love people, we have to move this uh, um, this uh, love. It has to flow upwards towards higher centers, which will uh, transform transform us, and uh, it will give us. Uh, divine love. It will transform our ordinary love 
into divine love and it will become all encompassing love. So that comes to slowly, gradually with the practice of Kriya Yoga. Now, uh, so these are the three, uh, and again, you know, there are three paths we said, uh, basic path of spirituality, Karma Yoga, Gnana Yoga, and Bhakti Yoga. When they are practiced alone by themselves, we can reach God, but it takes much, much longer time. Because as I said before, to reach God, we have to purify our mind. So, uh, people we try to purify our mind to do um, by tapaha, by dedicating all our action to God and Gurus. We try to purify the mind through self-inquiry or by love and devotion. But it takes much longer time um, in the pure form, in the, um, when we do that just by itself. But in Kriya Yoga, as the sage says, that it is the integration of all these three types of yoga. So uh, when we do Kriya Bhav, when we do Mahamudra, when we do Kriya Pranayama, Jyoti Mudra, we are um, doing action. We are doing our action uh, through this um, through this kind of uh, techniques. So, and these techniques are uh, based on the, our, um, what do you call the, the depend, and based on the activation of the chakras, activation of the uh, various, um, spiritual channels, Ida, Pingala, Susumna, uh, pituitary gland, cranial nerves, um, pineal gland. So we activate all these chakras and all these spiritual channels by performing Kriya Bhav and Kriya Pranam Jyoti Mudra. So these internal channels and chakras are directly connected to super consciousness or to infinite consciousness of God. So that way, and when we do all the three together, um, it really enhances our spiritual progress. And it becomes much faster because in ordinary course of evolution, to reach the highest state of spirituality takes a very long time, about 400,000 lifetimes. When we try to reach God, purify our mind, and try to reach God through this uh, karma yoga, gnana yoga, and bhakti yoga, it doesn't take that long. It takes still takes a little longer time because it takes time to purify our mind when we practice this three yoga by themselves. But kriya yoga, when we use our internal organs also to generate the energy in the body and to activate these chakras and this uh, pineal gland, pituitary gland, then it becomes much quicker, much uh, faster way of reaching God. Now, uh, particularly, uh, 
okay, uh, bhakti yoga. Let's talk a little bit about bhakti yoga because uh, there's a part of, part of love and devotion. So God is uh, infinite consciousness, but how to love God? Because God is abstract and it is not easy to um, love God when he's in abstract form. Uh, we cannot even imagine infinite consciousness until the moment of realization. But it is much easier for us to relate God in the form. So let us take, uh, go, go to the gross phenomena, gross level, and let us take any, any spiritual being like Rama, Krishna, Jesus Christ, or um, great saint like um, Ramakrishna Paramahansa. So they have actually lived in the body on this earth. They have, so we can learn about them by reading books. We can love them, we can serve them, and we can try to spread that message. So when we do this thing, when we um, try to use uh, the uh, higher, use our uh, activity for higher ideals, the lower loves, lower, um, um, lower our duties and activities, they all follow from us and uh, it will give us much quickly the uh, state of non-attachment. So it is much easier to love them. So one way to develop love for our, um, develop our love for these spiritual beings is to first examine our life and see uh, who do we feel more pure and divine love. Not really divine, but we actually um, feel much deeper love towards who? In our relationship, do we feel our love towards our father, mother, or our friend, or our beloved, or our husband, or wife? We can try to determine who do we feel more love towards. Now, once we determine that we feel love towards a particular relationship, then we can direct love towards God in that relationship. Then our love towards God will, uh, will flow very freely, very easily. Like Jesus Christ, uh, he loved God as a father. My heavenly father, he used to say. Ramakrishna Paramahansa for him, father was divine mother. Uh, for Saint Mirabai in the 15th century, for her, God was her beloved. So we have to find our own way uh, that who do we love more and then love God in that relationship so our love can flow very freely towards God. And it is extremely important uh, to meditate with love because God himself is love. If you don't feel love during meditation, how can you find God? But it takes time to develop that love. But if we, with the continuous practice of meditation, as we progress spiritually, we will start feeling that love within ourselves, that pure and divine love. And this love is so important that Patanjali, he wrote the book which is called Yoga Sutra of Patanjali. But he has emphasized divine love, devotion, and uh, surrender to God even much more 
than yoga itself. So if you go um, read his book, you can see that in verse number 23, in the first chapter, he says, Iswara Pranidhanatva. Samadhi can be attained by through surrender to God. Then uh, verse number one in chapter two, he says, Tapaswadhyaya Iswara Pranidhanani Kriya Yogaha, which we just discussed. So Kriya Yoga is the integration of uh, discipline, uh, self-inquiry, and love and devotion to God. Then in verse number 32, chapter 2, he's saying that saucha, santosa, tapaha, swadhyaya, iswara prani dhanani, niyamaha. He says, uh, discipline, he says, saucha. Saucha means uh, purity, contentment, um, then the discipline, inquiry, self-inquiry, and love and devotion to God are niyamas. Also in verse number 45, chapter two, he says, Samadhi Siddhi Iswara Pranidhanat. He says, through surrender to God, one can attain the success or perfection in Samadhi. So we can see from all these verses, we can see that one thing becomes very clear, that one should uh, intensely, one should intensify, I'm sorry, one should intensify deep love and surrender to God in order to get realization. So it is very important um, to meditate with love that can really enhance our spiritual progress. Now, um, out of these three basic paths of uh, yoga, Particularly, this Gnana Yoga is the most subtle and dangerous path. Because Gnana Yoga is the path of uh, intellectual discrimination. So when we go through this intellectual dis discrimination, and in Gnana Yoga, we don't pay any attention to love or devotion. It is just intellectual discrimination without love or devotion. And we can find God. We can reach the highest state of yoga, just following this path of intellectual discrimination, Gnana Yoga. But it is a dangerous path because person uh, seeker can suddenly find himself um, uh, in the position of psychic powers. And because, he's, um, because of his ego, because of his desire, he's not purified. So he's more likely to misuse those um, and those psychic powers. And when you miss it, it will be a downfall. So those people, very few people have followed the path of Nana Yoga, but out of them, most of them fell down because it is a dangerous path because of this reason. But very few, very brave souls have found God just following um, um, intellectual discrimination. But there are very few like that. You know, there, is, there was one master, uh, Sadhguru Nikamananda. He went to a Gnana Yogi. His guru was a Gnana Yogi. So he stayed with him and he was trying to find God, progress spiritually using intellectual discrimination. But after some time, his guru told him to go away 
to and find some um, yoga guru who can through that yoga path of yoga he can very much find God much quickly. So, um, but he asked his, um, but he asked his guru that you found God through Gnana Yoga. Why can I not? Can I not? He says it took me a long, long time, and it will also take a long time. And there are so many pitfalls in this path. So try to find God through through yoga. So now, <clears throat> and and uh, when you know when we have love and devotion, it leads us. Um, it makes us, gives us humility, and it gives us the desire to um, desire to serve. And because of that humility, we become free from our ego, our negative qualities, and then we may possess psychic powers. So we cannot. We are much more less likely to use these psychic powers. Now, uh, but in Patanjali Yoga Sutra, we see that he is also. Uh, written about um, Ashtanga Yoga, eight, um, eight limbs of yoga. So the first five limbs he has discussed in chapter number two, which is called uh, Sadhana Pada. And then, uh, then uh, limbs six, seven, and eight, he has discussed in the third chapter, which is Vibhuti Pada. Uh, now, it starts with the uh, so verse number, I mean, limb number five, six, seven, and eight. Six is dhana, seven dhana, and eight is uh, samadhi. So now let us understand uh, these three uh, and how we um, try to read this dhana, dhana, and samadhi uh, in our Kriya Yoga. So, uh, dharna. Dharna means concentration. Dhyana means meditation, and samadhi is the God realization. Now, he says that uh, in this, that uh, verses that uh, that's uh, limb number six is desabandha chittasya dharna. He says this concentration is the fixity of mind on a specific point. So dharna leads us to the inner chamber of yoga. Now human mind is very restless by nature. It can be com compared to the diffused light of sun. But this diffused light of sun can be concentrated through convex lens and it can generate fire. Similarly, our mind is uh, very restless. Thoughts are going in all different directions, but we can gather all the thoughts together, direct them towards one point. And when we direct all our thoughts, thoughts are nothing but energy. Uh, it is proven scientifically. So when this, all the energy going dissipating in different directions, when we bring together at one point and direct towards the one point, it generates tremendous amount of energy. So, according to Sage Patanjali, concentration is the art of art of confining the mind in the limited mental area. Now, the verse is desa bandha. Desa means uh, can be defined as place or space or spot. Um, um, so, 
And this place can be external, internal, or mystical. So we have to find our own way uh, of finding this particular place to concentrate. Now, I'll give you some examples. The external place of, con uh, place of concentration includes uh, a dot on the wall, a flame of candle in undisturbed place, a form of a deity or divine incarnation like Rama, Krishna, Jesus Christ, the mystical or abstract, not mystical, but abstract uh, point of place of concentration can be uh, flower, mountain, ocean, river, it can be like that. And then internal, internal place of concentration include fixing the mind on pain and pleasure or to some such state, some such state like this. And then mystical or meta metaphorical uh, place of concentration include the seven chakras, heart of devotee, um, mantra, flow, breath, um, divine sound. So this can be and the mystical places of concentration. So we have to choose or we have to find our own method where to concentrate. In Kriya Yoga, particularly in Kriya Yoga, where we concentrate, we concentrate in our breath because breath is God, or it is direct perceptible God. Or we concentrate in divine sound, or we concentrate in the light which we see within. So uh, in Kriya Yoga, we do that. Now, in Sutra number 242, uh, two, I think 253, Sage says, Sutra Through the practice of Kriya Pranayama, the mind can be made fit to concentrate. So uh, he says that through the practice of Pranayama, one can develop the power of concentration. And through this enhanced state of concentration, we can have many experiences. So Guruji says in his book, you know, I think if you read his book, uh, Yoga Sutra Patanjali's interpretation, he says, oh seeker, the mind is cause of the trouble, but the same mind can become an instrument for peace and calmness. He says, practice Kriya Pranayama as taught by Guru. Through this, mind can become calm and steady. And, and because of this, uh, it opens up uh, the door to success. So it is extremely important. Again, you can see Kriya Pranam is so important to attain the power of concentration because attaining con mind is so restless. It has so many impurities, so many desires. It has so much karma from pa many past lives. So to clean all that up, it takes time. So, but when you practice Kriya Pranam, our progress towards purification of the mind is enhanced considerably. So that is very important to keep in mind. Now, uh, the limb number seven, it is dhyana. Dhyana means meditation. So it says, tatra pratyaya ekta dhyanam. 
So concentration is the continuous, uninterrupted uh, flow of knowledge. So dhyana is as two parts. Dhyā means thought, no means no. So dhyana means no thought. So in a simple way, it could be said that when there are many thoughts, it is mind. When there are few limited thoughts, it is uh, concentration. And no thought means meditation. So we can take another analogy. Uh, let's say, let's take faucet. When we open the faucet, the water flows. That is mind because flow of thought. Now, when we turn off the faucet, and if the faucet is leaky, and one drop comes down, another drop comes down, third drop comes down. So that is like uh, a few thoughts in the mind. So that is concentration. When we fix that uh, faucet and we stop the leak, then it becomes there is no water, not even a drop comes out, and that is a no-thought state meditation. So as meditation is a no-thought state, it is difficult to describe it. Meditation is a state, it is not a technique. So meditation can be, uh, it, it is to be experienced, it cannot be expressed. What does it mean, it is to be uh, experienced and not to be expressed? But we remember what we said that God is not in the mind, he's not in the thought, he is beyond thought, beyond mind. So in order to find God, we have to go beyond mind. So when we find God, when we go beyond mind, we cannot explain, and that is meditation, and we cannot explain what we experience through our mind. Because it, we experienced that when we went beyond mind. And suppose by some miracle, if we can uh, explain this to people, what meditation is, what is the state of meditation. Uh, we will try to understand with the mind and we cannot understand with the mind what somebody experienced when he went beyond mind. So meditation is beyond the play of mind, thought, intellect and ego. So the state of meditation dawns through the practice of concentration or, or dharana. So by the grace of God and by the grace of the masters, deep state of meditation is possible. Without that grace, uh, deep state of meditation is not possible. So meditation is like a sleep. So sleep is a deep meditation without consciousness because when we sleep, we have no consciousness. And we are in unconscious state. While uh, meditation um, is deep sleep with consciousness. So meditation is like sleep, but in sleep we are unconscious, in meditation we are fully conscious. So Sage defines the state of medita meditation as a state where there is a continuous uninterrupted flow of knowledge. That is pratyaya, tata pratyaya, pratyaya is knowledge. So practice, so we say that you should practice the art of concentration constantly, then the meditation will come. And then uh, regular and uh, a systematic practice of Kriya Pranayama will lead us to concentration and then to meditation. So again, we need to practice Pranayama. Now, the third, last limb, number eight, is Tadeva Arthamatra Nirbhasam Swarupa Sunyam Eva Samadhi. So it's the meaning of this word is that alone, when shining in the light of object of meditation, as if void, 
or empty, that is samadhi. So samadhi is a state uh, when consciousness is completely directed towards the goal. Samadhi can also be described as enlightenment and uh, trance and ecstasy. There are many ways to describe samadhi. But remember, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. So dharana is concentration. So concentration is what? We fix the mind in a limited mental area. So mind is fixed in the narrowness of the path. Dhyana is the saturation of mind in love. And then samadhi is the state of superconscious state where all the narrowness is destroyed. It is a state of complete divine intoxication. So we'll try to understand this a little bit more, uh, but let's, um, uh, let me talk about uh, one verse from uh, Vishnu Purana, which is when the mind is free from all imaginations and when we assume his uh, true nature, then meditation will follow and, and then through meditation, the state of Samadhi will come. Now, uh, to explain this um, Samadhi, the sage is using two expressions. Uh, one is Arthamatra Nirvasam, which is the signing of the code. And second one is Swarupasunyam, uh, true form uh, appearing as void. Now, let's take the first one. It says, um, in meditation, there is presence of three. The meditator, which is Dhyata, meditation, Dhyana, and object of meditation is the, uh, um, is data. So in meditation is the process. So first we try to concentrate our mind and uh, it takes time to, <clears throat> to focus the mind. If you remember, you know, Patanjali says in his uh, Yoga Sutra, the Tatra, uh, what is meditation? What is the practice of meditation? It is the, uh, to rest, it is the yatnaha, means it is the sustained effort to rest in the stillness of the mind. So remember, this process of concentration is a sustained effort. He doesn't say how long it will take, because it depends upon our karma, it depends upon uh, how much effort we make. But he says that it's the process, so we try to, concentrate with using different techniques of Kriya Yoga. And um, as we progress spiritually, mind will become still, it will become um, gradually become calm and quiet. And um, ultimately it will, it will reach a stage when mind becomes completely still. There will be not a single thought. And that is, and when we reach that state, so until we reach that state, we have to use our effort. Because in the beginning stage of meditation, it is not easy to concentrate. Our legs hurt, bones hurt, joints hurt. There is lots of uh, restlessness in the mind and to control it is very difficult in the beginning. But as we go deeper into our concentration and meditation, uh, ultimately when we reach the perfect state of concentration, uh, the meditation and concentration will become effortless. So until we reach that state, it is our own personal effort. And then comes meditation and then comes samadhi. So this first part, stilling the mind, it is the most difficult part. It takes a very, very long time. It can take anywhere from few months to few years 
to several lifetimes, depending upon, as I said before, karma and how much effort we use. But we can um, ultimately, can you can reach that state. So this takes the longest time. And then meditation and samadhi, it comes to us by the grace of God. Without the grace of God, meditation and samadhi, they are not possible. So now again coming to, so uh, dhyata, dhyana and, and, and dhyata. So when we meditation, we come to the state, when state becomes a completely, um, complete stillness of the mind. And uh, when meditation comes to the state of saturation, then the first two, dhyata and dhyana, they will dissolve in the third one, object of meditation, which is dhyata. And hence, only the object of uh, meditation or only the goal of meditation remains as a luminous one. So that is the first one. Second expression is um, Swarupa Sunyam. That is the uh, real form, our essential form. So this state appears as a nothingness, uh, void, or great emptiness. So he says that with the perfection of concentration, meditation comes, and with the saturation of meditation, we are blessed with samadhi. Now, in Garuda Purana, he says that the object of our meditation appears everywhere. Our object of our meditation is experience, actually. We experience that everywhere. And this comes with the meditation. And one becomes free from duality. Such a state is said to be samadhi. So uh, we can see from this state, from this uh, explanation, that concentration, developing the perfect concentration takes time. Then by the grace of God, we um, reach to the no-thought state and we can remain in the state for a longer time. This is tatrastitau yatnaha vyasa. So uh, we remain in the state for a longer time. And, uh, uh, and then by the grace of God, we mind is saturated in divine love, which cannot be explained because meditation cannot be explained. And then finally comes um, Samadhi. So as long as we are in the state of meditation, uh, it is, uh, there is a duality. There's a notion that I'm aware of myself. I want to become you. I want to unite with God. So, um, the and that is the divine love. So divine love is always starts with duality. It ends into uh, unity, and that is bhakti. So bhakti, that is or bhakti or devotion. So we start. So divine love cannot exist without uh, without duality. Bhakti cannot exist without uh, without unity. So, if you look through the last three, uh, last three uh, limbs of uh, Ashtanga Yoga, in meditation, until we reach the state of saturation in love, it is called, there is a duality, me and God. I want to become one with God, okay? Now, Ramakrishna Paramahams, he, um, for him, Divine Mother was God, and he was going into the state of, uh, meditation and he was always he was 
uh, talking to Divine Mother and um, Jagas duality. So his guru Totapuri told him that you must go beyond this. You have to go beyond Divine Mother. So when he was uh, trying to go uh, beyond Divine Mother, he could not do that. As soon as we start to concentrate, he will uh, Divine Mother will come in front of him. So Totapuri took a pointed glass and poked it in between the two eyebrows. He started bleeding, he started feeling a lot of pain. And his Dutapuri, his guru told him, now focus in this pain. Remember uh, the internal uh, method of uh, uh, concentration is, as I said before, that focusing in the, um, in the pleasure or pain. So he asked him, and then the Divine Mother image was totally shattered and he went beyond, beyond Divine Mother and he found himself as infinite consciousness. So this is Samadhi. In, in meditation, we have uh, duality, but in Samadhi, it is without duality. It is just me and God. So that is the uh, highest state. Uh, in Samadhi, in, and in meditation, it is me and God. In Samadhi, it is only me. In uh, scriptures, they say, Aham Brahmasmi. Or Jesus Christ said, that be still and you know that God. So what he meant, that be completely still in your body and mind, not a single thought in the mind, and rest into that stillness of the mind for a longer time. Tatra sthitahu, tatra abhyasa. Meditation is the sustained effort to rest in the stillness of the mind. When you can rest in the stillness of the mind for a longer time, and not a single thought, then we will know when we reach the state of meditation and samadhi, and we know when we reach samadhi that I only exist, and we know that I am God. So uh, that is the state of samadhi when we experience that I am the infinite consciousness. I had individual consciousness, now it is transformed into infinite consciousness. I experience that I am that infinite consciousness. I am God. There is no duality, and that is samadhi. And that is the highest state of happiness. Okay, so I think uh, now we can meditate for um, for about fifteen minutes. Okay, so please close your eyes, sit straight, normal breathing, and observe your breath. Breath is going in. Breath is coming out. See who is breathing. Where the breath is coming out. Where is breath is going in. Try to see that. Concentrating between the two eyebrows. Go about uh, three inches inside your head or maybe seven to nine centimeters inside your head. Our soul is there, we remain in that soul, love him and observe the breath. Be very alert. Do not allow any thoughts in your mind. If a thought comes, just observe the thought, it will pass by, but do not dwell on your thought. Continuous attention in the soul center. 
observing your breath. Let your attention in the breath. Now take slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring love within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Spread peace and calmness. Slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring divine love within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Spread peace around you. Slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring love within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Spread peace, calmness around you. Slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring love within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Spread peace. Slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring love within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Peace. Slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring love within. Divine love. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Give peace and calmness to others. Take slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring love within. Hold the breath. Holding the breath, bend forward as much as you can. And then exhale. Now normal breathing. Most of your attention is between the two eyebrows in the soul center inside your head. From there, watch your breath, breathing normally. Watch breath is going in, breath is coming out. Who is inhaling? Who is exhaling? Watch. Continuous attention in the soul center. Be very alert. Do not allow any thoughts. If the thought comes, just observe the thought. Continuous attention in the soul center. Little attention in breath. We are making efforts to go into the inner chamber of yoga, inside our head, where there is extreme silence. Because God is in silence, we cannot find him in noise. So remain in that inner silence.
feel that peace and calmness. Calmness is God. God is calmness. Now take slow, long, deep inhalation. Hold the breath and sit up. Exhale. Normal breathing. Your concentration is between the two eyebrows in the soul center. About three to four inches inside the head or seven to nine centimeters. Remain inside your head in that inner silence, in that peace and calmness. Now take slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring peace within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Spread divine love within. Spread divine love. Slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring peace within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Spread divine love. Slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring peace. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Pure divine love. Slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring peace within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Spread pure love. Slow, long, deep inhalation. 
bring peace within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Spread love around you. Slow, long, deep inhalation. Bring peace within. Slow, long, deep exhalation. Spread love. Now, normal breathing. Breathe normally. Between the two eyebrows, remain in the soul center. Soul is God. God is love. Remain there with love. Be very alert. Don't allow any thoughts. If the thought comes, just observe the thought. But do not entertain the thought. Now open your eyes. Keep your eyes open with a blank, unfocused look, still focusing within the two eyebrows in the soul center. Feel that peace and calmness. Enjoy this higher level of consciousness with a blank look. Thank you all. Sarve bhavantu sukhinaha, sarve santu niramayaha, sarve bhadrani pasyantu, makaschit dukh bhagapavet. May everybody be happy and healthy. May everybody see the auspicious sight. Let us not have a share in sorrows and suffering, let everybody be happy, full of joy and bliss. Om peace, Jai Guru. I bow to you all, bow to the living power of God abiding within you all. Thank you. <laughs>